This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's Monday after a busy weekend, as you might imagine. The Super Bowl was a super game, of course, and yes, without question, I just had a lengthy conversation with uh, a sports fan of minute knowledge. It was without question, without debate, a hold at the end of that game. It was. How could you not say it was not a hold on Bradbury? And how can you say, if you're the analyst for Fox, Greg Olson, this is what really got me. When he said, you can't make that call there. What do you mean you can't make that call there? I mean, it was clearly a hold. It disrupted the route. It threw off the whole play. How can you say that you can't make that call there because it's the championship game? Well, when do you make that call? You know, third game of the year and it happens and you make that call? I mean, if it's happening, if it occurred, you have to make that call. And, I mean, in my eyes, and even, of course, Bradbury said after the game he held, and it was a double hold if you ask me. I don't see how anybody can challenge the correctness of that call, Chris Bergen. Did you throw something at your television set as you were watching that, debating whether or not it was clearly a hold? There is an issue. And welcome back, pal. Good to have you back It's good to be back, by the way. Yeah. But the only thing that concerned me about that call when it occurred is what you just opened up with. One of the best Super Bowls that we have seen in years. And what are we talking about to open the show? A holding call by an official. Yeah, but now, there's you know, this, you know, controversial calls are all part of wins and losses. Truth. I don't think that takes away from the game at all. I mean, it shouldn't. It, it just set it up for, I mean, they were going to kick, at the very least, a, a field goal. All it did was give Kansas City a chance to run out the clock and not leave right. any time. So they were going to kick a field goal in all likelihood, at the very least. And then there's no guarantee, people assuming that Philadelphia is going to go right down the field and score and win or tie it up. You can't, you can't draw that conclusion. There's no guarantee they're going to go right down the field that quickly and score. Well, especially the way the second half unfolded. I thought Andy Reid and his staff did a terrific job at halftime of making some adjustments. Their offense, they scored on every possession they had in the third and fourth quarters and figured out a way to slow down Philadelphia. And especially considering in the first half, I didn't think they, they would have any gas left in the tank. Mm. You, you wonder how much that nearly 30-minute halftime that the Super Bowl normally gives us, how much that allowed Kansas City to catch its breath a little bit because uh, Philadelphia possessed the football the entire opening half of play, and I thought they were terrific. And the unfortunate side to this coin is it, it overshadows loss does how good Jalen Hurts was. 
But I thought Patrick Mahomes was terrific, especially in the uh, third and fourth quarters. I mean, that's how you win an MVP. That's how you win a Super Bowl. And that was a just a terrific, terrific football game. If the NFL has anything <clears throat> in which to be embarrassed from the uh, ball game last night, it's not that the officials, because I thought they did a pretty good job all the way around. And I agree with you, it was a holding call. You just it, it because of when it occurred. You're going to get some conversation about it. But the NFL ought to be ashamed of itself with the field conditions at the Super Bowl. If there's anything they should be upset and embarrassed about, it's that. Yeah, yeah. Do not disagree. They were talking about that pregame. Players were slipping. They went in and changed their cleats. And it continued throughout the ballgame. And, yeah, you're right. That should never happen in a championship setting like that. Then, earlier in the weekend, well, earlier in the day on Sunday, the uh, top-ranked South Carolina women flexed their mighty muscles once again. They took LSU out of that game uh, from the get-go, and great shooting to open the ball game. Great shooting to finish the ball game, and just consistent play in the middle. Pat was at that game. Uh, he was also in Chapel Hill to watch Clemson take on North Carolina. So we'll get his thoughts on both of those games once he's ready to pick up the mic and join us. But Chris, um, there appears to be. Nobody in the way of the Gamecocks now, except for the Gamecocks. The only mm-hmm. team that can get in their way, it would appear, to a national championship is the the Gamecocks themselves just going out in a tournament game and just having one of those nights where uh, it just all goes against you and nothing goes your way and you, you have a bunch of foul trouble and turnovers, which I don't foresee that happening with this team, with the competition. They've played basically the very best in the country already, and they've handled everything. Well, and Kim Mulkey summed that game up perfectly in her postgame. She said that game was decided on the opening tip. If you want to know how big a difference and a big a gap there is between South Carolina and everybody else, mm. the number three team in the country felt like it was over on the opening tip because Carolina got the tip. They score. They go up 2 nothing. They ultimately push it to 6 to nothing. And Mulkey has to call a timeout, and you could tell. They were not ready for what they were about to see. And as good as LSU is, And I thought it was interesting that the two best players on the floor were not the two that everybody thought they would be in Aaliyah Boston and also Angel Reese. It was actually Alexis Morris for LSU and Camila Cardoso for South Carolina, both transfers into their respective programs. I thought both of those young ladies were terrific. But unless you can play nearly flawless post-defense, and LSU's post-defense yesterday was atrociously bad. Uh, Carolina picked them apart from the foul line. I mean, their little tic-tac-toe passing inside was terrific. But unless you can play nearly flawless post-defense on South Carolina's front line and make a bunch of shots, you've got no chance to beat them. They are just far and away the best team in the country, and I see them going – I see them breezing through the NCAA tournament all the way to the Final Four. They may get challenged if they face, say, Connecticut because Connecticut can score and they can shoot the ball, but I don't see anybody beating them this year. All right. Then you had uh, the USC men go on the road, get a nice win over a a poor team in Ole Miss, uh, avenging a loss to Ole Miss from earlier in the season. This this was another game, you tell me, there's another game where uh, playing an equal or maybe uh, a team slightly ahead or even a team slightly behind, that level of team, this mm-hmm. Gamecock team can hang with that kind of team and can get a, and can get a win. And they hit some big shots uh, down the stretch. Jacoby Wright has been playing fantastically for them, and he hit that corner three that finally put them ahead. Michi Johnson hit three free throws down the stretch, and they played some good defense. They forced some poor shots and missed shots by Ole Miss, and they got themselves a nice road win, and they got themselves out of the cellar 
of the SEC. And you might be saying, woohoo, that's something great to uh, celebrate there, Corn, getting out of the cellar. As I've said before, and I'll say the rest of the way, wins and losses are not the issue with this year's USC basketball team. Um, uh, that's a sad way. That's a sad commentary because why do you play the game? Um, because they're not going anywhere. But what it's about is establishing uh, a new culture and a new way of doing business in Gamecock basketball for Lamont Paris. And I think he's starting uh, to show progress in that mm-hmm. area. I agree. And they won without G.G. Jackson starting and also not having a very big game. By the way, <laughs> I was on my computer, and he popped up live again on Instagram once they got back to Columbia. Did you see this? I did not. Yeah. So I well, saw you send out a text to us, but I did not see his actual Instagram. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do anything noteworthy on it. He wanted to. You could tell he was biting his tongue, and he had some people egging him on with questions. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to go say that here live and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I think the best thing for that young man is to stay off of social media after basketball games. I don't think he's doing himself any good or doing his program or his team any good by going on there and um, talking like he does. Uh, and look, I'm not the social media police, but I do watch what happens with the teams and the players in mm-hmm. our state, and I just think it's a bad thing to do. I think it's a poor well, thing to do, um, it's, you know, especially when you're losing, or in his case, he didn't play very much. What did he play, like nine or ten minutes against Ole Miss? He hardly contributed. And, you know, you wonder what's really going on behind the scenes with that situation. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, unlike the previous visit to social media, he did that directly after the game. His emotions were obviously still pumped up. This time, and after obviously being talked to by his head coach, this time he had time to think about it on the flight back from Oxford. And then when he got back into his dorm room, that's the uh, opportunity he took, correct? Correct. He did this mm-hmm. when he got back to Columbia. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was calculated. He was going to come out, and then I, if you're going to take that approach, then say what you're thinking. But here's, a, here's an idea, uh, Gigi. Don't commit four turnovers and grab one rebound in 12 minutes and wonder why you're not playing more. He is the only player, if you look at the uh, box score from, from Saturday's win, He's the only South Carolina player. They have a plus-minus like they do in hockey now and in basketball as well. Yeah. Your team, you know, they score, you get pluses, you get minuses when you give up points. He was the only negative player for for USC. He was a minus 15. Hayden Brown, on the other hand, was a plus 11. Team was better when Gigi was off the floor. I'm not saying they're better overall when he's not playing because he's a terrific talent. But he's got to understand, when you're not contributing, I don't care who you are, number one or number 12 off the bench. You've got to go sit until you can prove to me that you're you're contending. Five points, four turnovers, one rebound in 12 minutes. I mean, not getting a whole lot out of him. All right, and then there was Clemson, and all of a sudden the Tigers have hit the skids, and they go up to North Carolina, and they get handled, and now they've lost three in a row. They have dropped from first place to fourth place in the ACC standing, so they got Florida State coming to town on Wednesday, and, you know, the top four teams – they get that bye, they get that double bye at the uh, ACC tournament. They wouldn't play until Thursday. Remember now, the ACC tournament is a Tuesday through Saturday affair, not a Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, so you wouldn't have to play until Thursday if you finish as one of the top four seeds, but they're about to play them, themselves right out of that. And Jerry Palm, in his updated uh, bracketology, has Clemson now on the bubble on the outside. He's got the College of Charleston in 
and he's got uh, as a 12 seed, and he's got um, Furman in as a 14 seed. But he's got Clemson on the outside right now. Clemson may be the first ACC team in the top four that's on the wrong side of the bubble in basketball history this late in the season. And it's just it's remarkable what has happened to them from easily inside the tournaments to now having to fight for their lives. And they've got some games coming up field down the stretch. They can improve their strength of schedule in their net, but they're going to have to win some ball games, and it's not going to be easy with what they've got in front of them. And I, I worried about Saturday. We talked, Pat and I talked about it on Friday. If P.J. Hall got into any foul trouble and you thought he would against that North Carolina front line, it was going to be a long afternoon for them, and clearly it was. Yeah, tough, tough outing for them up at uh, up in Chapel Hill, and uh, still a tough place for them to play. Even though they won up there a few years ago to to break the long uh, winless streak up there, it's still tough. North Carolina was playing with the uh, uh, their backs to the wall the way they have been playing, and they needed to come out and have a good performance at home uh, to keep alive their hopes. And they came out and did just that. But Clemson, you know, ended up shooting forty five percent. Hit uh, seven threes. They were good from the line, 16 of 18 from the line. But um, they dug themselves an early hole up there in Chapel Hill. They weren't able to uh, recover from that, and, and they take the they take the L. They were down nine at halftime and got no better in the second half. And um, we'll see now what they can do against a, a, a Florida State team that they um, they beat. If I remember correctly, they jumped out to a huge lead down in Florida State earlier in the season and lost that lead, but then held on to win a close one, part of their winning streak uh, at that particular time. So uh, we'll see if they can get things straightened out. But ever since those guards uh, were injured, but they've all come back healthy now, they haven't won. They've lost three in a row. So we'll see what uh, Brad Brownell and his guys can do on Wednesday. South Carolina is back at home on a Tuesday night, another early game. i got to find out why. South Carolina was assigned so many Tuesday games this year. Is that just something in an annual rotation with the SEC that this is your year to play mostly Tuesday night games in in league play? You go back and look at the schedule for South Carolina, the league schedule, and and practically all their week games have been on a Tuesday night. And I just don't know if that's an annual thing, a rotational thing that they do with their scheduling or – they just put uh, what they think are some of the poorer teams on Tuesday night. I don't know. You have any idea? I, I don't. But you're right. Every one of their weekday SEC games, with the exception of, because I'm scrolling through one, so far, yeah. has been on a Tuesday at the Vandy, only, the long, at Kentucky, mm-hmm. Ole Miss at home was a Tuesday. Yep. Uh, Florida was a Wednesday. That's the lone exception. Mm-hmm. At uh, let's see, at let's see where the uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Auburn tw- at Georgia was a Tuesday, yep. And then here in February, uh, Missouri at Missouri was a Tuesday, and this coming uh, tomorrow, tomorrow Vanderbilt's yeah. a Tuesday. Now they do have a <laughs> Wednesday the next week, Wednesday the twenty second. They do have a Wednesday against Alabama at nine o'clock. Oh boy, get the number <laughs> one team in the country at home nine o'clock on um, one of the ESPN channels. So and then they have a another Tuesday game on the twenty eighth at Mississippi State. So two Wednesdays and everything else has been on Tuesday. I mean, does it matter? I mean, I don't know. Do, you'd like to play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Then you can 
you can have a little bit of time between both of those games. But it just seemed odd to me that they played so many Tuesday games this year. Well, the interesting thing is Clemson sort of avoided what hurts the ACC. I think this year is all those Saturday turnaround play again on Monday type games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting here watching it in the Sun Belt. No, no matter how talented you are and how deep you are, that's a quick turnaround for basketball teams to play two games in 48 hours and try and be up to snuff both of those games because uh, you really don't get a whole lot of practice time in between the games. You have to travel sometimes between the two games. So, yeah, at least the SEC doesn't force them into that scenario that the ACC does, and for the most part, Clemson's been able to avoid that this year. But back to the Tigers for a minute, Phil, that, that Florida State game has now obviously become extremely crucial, and they've got a stretch here next couple of ball games. They've got to win. I mean, they're better than Louisville. They're better than Florida State. They're as good, probably better than Syracuse. They're certainly as good when they play. And all these games, or at least the, the two out of the three, are at home. And does it matter where you play Louisville this season? No. I mean, you should be you able to beat play them in regardless. a parking lot. I mean, that's how bad those guys are. They've got, to, they've got to sweep this trio before they go to NC State. And NC State's playing some good ball. Okay, yeah, our are. phone number is triple eight. I'll say it slowly. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. We'll take your phone calls. Since 2002, more than $999 million in lottery proceeds have been used to support K-12 programs in South Carolina. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. And playing for fun is a win for education. All right. Get to your phone calls after the break. We will run the gamut of the show with your phone calls and a recruiting report later on. A little bit of Dawn Staley for you as well. We'll be back in a moment. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15. Win up to $2,500. Or play all 15 numbers. And you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop. It's the light of the party. Up in Chicago over the weekend for a little family gathering. Good to be back and ready for a vacation. After that trip, I need a vacation from my brief vacation. Love to get down to the beach, and you would too. And if you're planning on getting down to the beach for a getaway, some kind of a vacation, maybe for a week or longer, maybe an extended stay, make sure you give my man Jimmy Smith a call at pauliesvacationrentals.com. That is James Smith Real Estate at 843-237-4246, 843-237-4246. Let Jimmy 
put together your perfect beach getaway, whether you need something that's very large for a lot of folks or something maybe a little bit smaller, like a condo, he can uh, put you into whatever it is that fits your needs. Again, PauliesVacationRentals.com, James Smith Realty, 843-237-4246 for your perfect beach getaway. We'll actually be down to the beach later this week. It's the annual um, winter clinic for the South Carolina Football Coaches Association. Hundreds of high school football coaches from across the state will be in attendance, and you'll have coaches from many of the staffs in South Carolina who will be lecturing, including coaches from Clemson and from South Carolina. So we look forward to being there. And this week, they're going to be announcing the coaching staffs for the Touchstone Energy uh, football game, Touchstone Energy Bowl North-South game. So the new coaching staffs for that game will be announced this week as well. So we got all that covered for you here on Sports Talk. With that said, and without further ado, let's get to your phone calls, 888-898-2525. Gamecock Larry, he is up first from over in Swansea. Welcome in, Gamecock Larry. How you doing? How you doing, Phil? Doing fine, sir. Good to have you with us. Glad to have you back. I missed you, I think, last Friday. Yeah, that's okay. Man, just one oh. show. Everybody did a great job, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, they done just fine without you. Good. <laughs> no. That's the way we like it. Well, you done, got me. You done tickled me. I done started a Old man been out of the water for the last three, four weeks. But he, he get a, he, uh, I ain't improving, but I'm hanging in there. Well, that's good. I'm still, I'm still kicking on the corn, but he just can't kick as high and crow as loud. You're talking about the, you're talking about the mom. Uh, in between games, well, I know uh, last Thursday night we our ladies wasn't played Auburn. Traveled, I think they traveled to Auburn. Played Auburn, got back that night late. Turned uh, around, went to class Friday. Practice Saturday, and they met oh number three team in the nation, number three team in the nation, mm-hmm. and they had old they had old man kind of word. I said, but you know what? I laid here in my bed about about three o'clock Sunday morning. Some something popped in my mind. They gonna take about twenty. They gonna take about twenty. And I started to call you, but I know I couldn't get you, so, so I waited. But I'll tell you what, they got over that 18-2 start and never looked back. Well, they did a little bit, but they were just playing with them. Mm. They wanted to see that Angel Angel Reese. Was that who she was, Angel Reese? Mm-hmm. Boston just played with her all the game, all the game. And she tried to talk trash to Boston. Boston showed the lady in and just turned around and walked off and had left her standing there with her tongue out. Mm. But I, boy, I tell you, and I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but I, I understand they said it's proud to feel up so cancer. <laughs> I, I heard all kind of crazy stuff, but I just want to call and tell you, I really appreciate you. And I, you listen to the old man, the old man's getting old. Getting old. No, you sound good. You sound strong. Sound like you're feeling better. So you just keep in touch with us. Yeah. Let me say one thing to 
Tiger Bryant. Mm-hmm. Tiger Bryant. When you give up 15, 15 three-point, 45 points, well, that's almost as many as we score in a whole game, men game count. That's almost as many as we score in the game. Mm. And you gave up 45 points on three-point shots. Get some defense, Tiger Bryant. Love you, buddy. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you, uh, Gamecock Larry. Yeah, 10 of those three-pointers came from two players, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. They were just lighting it up, 15 of 33. But here's the but thing that impressed me. Fun of, huh? You can't make fun of another team, the rival, by using your team <laughs> to, to put your team down. your points. <laughs> but here's what really impressed me about the USC women. They shot 67% in the first quarter, but they shot 77% in the fourth quarter. So the point is, whoever was on that court playing for them, they opened focus and they closed with a focus, and they were good in between. That was just a terrific all-around performance by they the USC women. Basketball team, they they just are. They're light years ahead of most teams in NCAA basketball right now. And they only made two three pointers and one. And it could have been worse. Both of them by the those. same person, by Bray Bill. All right, hit the break. Be back. We are back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. It's the Monday after the Super Bowl weekend, the Super Women's Basketball Showdown weekend Sunday was not the showdown that it was expected to be. South Carolina took it to LSU Big. Who is going to play the USC women tough the rest of the way? There might be one close call out there waiting for them. You know, we'll have to wait and see the how they line maybe. up. Possibly. Yeah. There might be one close call out there waiting for them. Otherwise, you know, it's just a, a run to the trophy for the South Carolina women. Couple of things to update, and we'll get back to your phone calls. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. New poll question of the week. Season begins Friday for D one baseball teams across the country. Which Palmetto State team is most likely to make it to Omaha? Only had room for four, alphabetical order, Clemson, Coastal, College, and South Carolina. 379 votes in today, 65.7% say South Carolina. 19% Clemson, 10% Coastal, 5.3% College of Charleston. So a lot of people buying into the hype of this South Carolina baseball team, and maybe they should, you know. Buy stock in the Gamecocks with that pitching. Of course, from reading some of the uh, preseason reports from some of the folks out there talking about some concerns about offense and trying to um, finish out putting people in the right place in the lineup. Are they going to hit enough to be a high-caliber team? I think that's going to be the question, guys. You better score a lot of runs. The way the SEC has evolved over the years, you if you're not scoring seven, eight runs a ball game, probably not going to win a whole lot. So if they've got issues offensively going into the start of the season, Mark Kingston better figure that out in a hurry. Some other notes. The news and reporter 
up at uh, Chester reporting that Great Falls AD Josh Hefner has confirmed football coach Demarcus Simmons has informed players and administrators that he is resigning. So they'll be posting that story, looking for an opening, uh, looking to fill that opening uh, very soon. And the new net rankings for this week, College of Charleston, the best in the state at 59. And the Cougars are playing tonight, as a matter of fact, so we'll keep an eye on that. Our city, says Pat Kelsey, as he walks around uh, doing videos of various spots there in Charleston. And you know what? It is their city. Uh, they got a great team. They're 24-3. and three. They're not back in the rankings. They'll play Northeastern tonight at the 6 uh, TD Arena, but they nicknamed it the 6 for, I guess, sixth man would be my guess on that. So uh, Charleston's 59, Clemson now 77, Furman 82, Wofford 234, Gamecocks 253, Winthrop 265, Upstate 271, Coastal 286, Charleston Southern 299, Citadel 330, State 346, and Presbyterian 350. The uh, new AP men's basketball poll for this week has a new number one for the first time in like some 20 years. It's Alabama at 22-3. and three. They beat Auburn on the road Saturday uh, by eight, so they're number one. Houston is number two. Purdue, which lost to Northwestern on the road, they dropped to number three. Then it's UCLA, Kansas, Texas, Virginia, Arizona, Baylor, and Tennessee. Tennessee, a surprising loser at home on a buzzer beater to Missouri. That's your top ten. And Miami is number 15, and NC State is 23, and that's it as far as the local teams are concerned. As far as the women, of course, South Carolina uh, maintains a very firm grasp on number one in the AP women's ranking this week after knocking off LSU. So it's the Gamecocks, then it's Indiana, which is 23-1, and one. Stanford, is 24-3. and three. They're number three. Utah is number four, and LSU falls to five. Then it's UConn, Iowa, Maryland, Duke, and Notre Dame in the top ten. Speaking of Notre Dame, Mike Bray said today that, yes, he is stepping down as the coach at Notre Dame after this season, but he is not retiring from coaching. He plans to coach again. So he's throwing his name out there uh, as a guy looking for a job for one of those openings, so keep an eye out for Mike Bray somewhere. And what else do we have for you? Oh, the College of Charleston's Pat Robinson the third CAA Player of the Week. He averaged 24 points, uh, four rebounds, two and a half assists. Maybe this if, season. The, if, if Pat Kelsey takes the Notre Dame job, if it's offered to him during the offseason, maybe Mike Bray could come down and take the college job. Maybe he would. That's a good place to come (laughs) retire. By the way, those numbers on Robinson were for the week, not the season. 24 points, four rebounds, two and a half assists. Okay, back to your phone calls we go. Phone number 888-898-2525 as we go next to uh, Brian in Charleston. Okay, Brian, welcome into Sports Talk. Good to have you with us. Fellas, thanks for uh, having me on, and I'm glad to hear you talking about the College of Charleston Cougars. Uh, I don't know how much the two of you had an opportunity to watch them play this week or this year, but they are a remarkably good team. And uh, let me just mark this down. If we can somehow manage to keep Pat Kelsey in Charleston 
uh, and he doesn't jump to a bigger school, we're trying to round up money now, hmm. uh, we'll be the Gonzaga of the East. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, what most people don't realize, you know, he came in last year, he inherited three players from Earl Grant. He brought in an entirely new roster. He was not even able to meet them in person because he was recruiting during COVID. So he recruited his entire team last year virtually. Think about that. Mm. He had never met them in person until they arrived on campus. And, Phil, if you take a look at who he's recruited for next year, he's got three of the top four players in the state of North Carolina. I think their current recruiting ranking amongst all schools is ranked in the 40s, number one again uh, around all mid-majors. And he has built very quickly a remarkable team and a remarkable program with transfers from smaller schools that had been really good players at Division II and NAI schools. And uh, he's got it going. They, they are far and away, in my opinion, the best team in the state. And mm -hmm. um, he's the real deal. You know, he's the real deal. Hmm. Well, you know, he showed me at Winthrop what he could do. Uh, if I'm yeah, not mistaken, well, he followed – I think he followed Greg Marshall. Was there anybody He didn't between? follow him immediately. Yeah. He didn't follow him immediately. Greg Marshall left, who was at the college, as an assistant. Right. And and then uh, they had another coach come into Winthrop. And then, uh, you know, Pat Kelsey came in and revived the program. But, uh, you know, he, they, they legitimately go 10 players off the bench that play, 10 players. And nine of them on any given night are capable of scoring well in the double digits. That, that's not an exaggeration. Pat Robinson, who just made player of the week, mm -hmm. he doesn't even start. Hmm. He doesn't even start for them. Well, that's good recruiting. That's excellent balance. And that's what makes a championship team. And, you know, Things are set up nicely for them, but they can't take their foot off the gas because we saw that happen when they lost those back-to-back -back games. But they're going to be hosting the CAA tournament, and so you got it right in front of you. It's a one-bid league. Well, this we're is not the going problem. to be hosting it. It's, it's, in, it's in Washington, D.C. Oh, it is? I thought you were hosting this year. No, they're not hosting. They hosted okay. the Charleston Classic, so they're in D.C. Okay. But I even think they're good enough if they, you know, if, if they have a slip-up and don't win the tournament, I still think they're worthy of an at-large bid. And, uh, I mean, there's just no fluke to it. I mean, uh, the, it's a really good team. Most people don't know about the college, and we don't have a great TV contract. We're not on ESPN3, but it's one of the best teams in America that most people haven't seen. Do you get to many games? Do you get down to many of the I'm games? I'm on my way right now. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm about to grab a burger on King Street and walk over there right now. There you We're go. Selling out every game. You're one, you're one of the six, huh? You're, you're part of the six. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah. Well, enjoy and call us tomorrow night. Let us know how it goes as far as how they I'll look. I'll let you know. Yeah, we'll be following it here, right, but you let you us know. know how they play. Okay. Thank you very much. Right, Great hearing from you. All right. And thank He's you for right, the correction. Phil, I thought that uh, they were playing that thing in Charleston this year. I, I have oh, You know what? I think I'm person. confusing it with maybe the baseball tournament is going to be in Charleston this year. But anyway, go ahead. I have, I have seen those guys in person. They are terrific. The only concern I have about them being possibly getting an at-large bid is where they're sitting right now in the net. Mm -hmm. At 59, they need to climb down probably below 50 to have a shot, especially considering a league that, for the most part, is a one-bid league. But, you know, he talks about the depth on that team. I mean, they're terrific, and they're, and they're getting contributions up and down the lineup. As he talked about, they've got five players that scoring double figures, and they play a bunch of kids. I mean, it would be a great system to go play because even if you're 8, 9, 10, 11 on the depth chart, you're probably going to play 10 minutes a game. 
Now, Kelsey obviously is a heck of a coach and he, a heck of a motivator, and players uh, enjoy playing for him. And he's uh, he seems very personable um, with the way he has been out promoting his program. He's not bashful whatsoever, Mm-mm. and uh, he, you know he's backing it up. And he went in there last year; was his first year, right? And like he said, mm-hmm. like the caller said, inherited very little and made them competitive. And then this year, he's really uh, taken them to the top. He, uh, you know, they battled North Carolina. Uh, very close uh, early in the year. That kind of gave you an indication of uh, of what they could do, and and they've kept it going. So we'll see how they do tonight against a Northeastern team that they should handle. Uh, other basketball oh, yeah. tonight. That, while that's we're talking one thing. If it. you want to improve their net ranking, they can't lose tonight. Right. This is a game they need to win and look impressive in doing so. And, and Randy Peel was the guy who kept his seat warm after Greg Marshall. Yeah, left. Randy Peel. Yeah. Yep. Northeastern is 8-16, uh, and 16, Pat. Another name to remember, not only does Charleston need, Charleston need to work to keep Pat Kelsey around, but another name that doesn't get as much attention but we need to remember is assistant coach Michael Cassidy. If you're not already familiar with that, you should be because he will be a major head coach within the next three to five years. He is in his second year as assistant there. He came off. He came from Australia. He spent the summer in 2021 as an assistant coach on the under-19 Australian national team and at the under-19 FIBA uh, did, was doing a lot with the under-19 FIBA World Cups. He has been instrumental in designing the offense that College of Charleston is running. Uh, he has also opened up a lot of international recruiting lanes, bringing in some of the top talent onto Pat Kelsey's team. Now, yes, Pat Kelsey deserves a lot of that credit as well, but there are four different players right now contributing on Charleston's team that are international players, and a lot of that is because of the work done for, from Michael Cassidy so just, again, another name out there that we need to make sure to give credit to. Very good. Not to be confused with Butch Cassidy. And That's the right. Sundance Kid. <laughs> Michael Cassidy. Uh, also tonight, you've got Miami playing at North Carolina, so another big game for the Tar Heels at home against the uh, Hurricanes, 20-5 and Miami. This would be a big win for North Carolina if they can get it. Morgan State plays at South Carolina State tonight as well. Uh, let's continue on the phone lines, 888 Oh, as we go to the phones, a uh, couple of messages on our stream on YouTube. You can, of course, watch us on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Sports Talk Media Network, our Facebook channel, Sports Talk Media Network, also streaming on Twitter at Sports Talk SC, and our audio stream on our website, sportstalksc.com. Make sure you keep that handy on those nights where you can't get us for whatever reason. But anyway couple of folks here. Uh, Mark writes to us to say that um, it was not a holding call. And John Edward Freddy Krueger uh, says it was not a holding call. I don't know what game you two were watching, but in every other television set in America, it was a holding call. Clear as a bell. How can you say that was not holding? Now, you can argue... And I think it was Pat talking to me off air. He goes, well, you know, they hadn't called that all game long. There was a bunch of holding, and they hadn't called it. And I'm like, yeah. And and you can call holding almost every snap, just like you can call a foul almost every time down the floor. But Mm -hmm. that's no excuse for saying a hold shouldn't be called at that stage of the game because they haven't been calling holding all game long. They should be calling holding if it's, uh, you know, especially on a wide receiver where the hold has a, a direct impact on the play. I mean, there's some holding they might let go because the ball's so far overthrown or so wide it's not going to be – it's not catchable for the most part. But you can make the argument that this particular 
hold was uh, forceful enough as to uh, take the receiver off the pattern, and you got uh, the pass going, uh, Mahomes throwing the ball to a spot where he expects his receiver to be. And the hold completely blew up that play. And so you have to call it. You have to call it. I'm sorry. You can agree with whether or not it's a hold, but you have to call it. If they would call that in the first quarter, you call it in the fourth quarter. It's the, as I mentioned, well, what people are saying is they, they weren't calling it early, right, and then and they Pat's, called it right Pat's then. Point is, and yeah. Pat's point is perfect. And I saw a buddy of mine tweet out, the uh, you want a, a play like that adjudicated the same way it had been throughout the game. And, you don't, and that was inconsistent, as Pat pointed out, with every other play in the game. So that's the only issue you have. But if, if Philadelphia fans are trying to convince themselves that that's why they lost the game, no. They lost the game because they didn't have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, of course. Now, keep in mind that I took a pledge about two weeks ago after the Celtics got away with one against the Lakers that I would never complain about officials once again. So <laughs> this is part of that, not complaining about officials uh, anymore the rest of my life because I got one there with the Celtics and the Lakers, no doubt about it. we got to hit the break, and we'll come back with more phone calls here on Sports Talk. Those of you on the lines, hang on. We'll get to you. And our phone number, 888-898-2525, is how you can reach us. We'll continue taking your phone calls, so just be just be patient. You'll get your chance. Patience is a virtue when it comes to sports talk. MLB Competition Committee voted unanimously to make the extra inning rule permanent for all regular season games moving forward this year and beyond. So a runner will be placed at second at the start of every extra inning, but not in the postseason. Be back. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. All right, don't forget, we'll continue with your phone calls into our number two. So don't hesitate to give us a call in hour number two, or if we can't get to you here in hour number one, 
carry it over to hour number two. Let's go to Ron in Greenville. Next up here on Sports Talk, Ron, welcome in. How you doing, sir? Buddy, I'm doing good. You ought to get a lot of phone calls in hour number two because I got two things to say. Good. First, Okay, first of all, Gamecock Larry, you need to get your uh, Philadelphia jersey and wear it and put you on a mini skirt and see how that goes, okay? Oh, whoa. Oh. Yeah, put you on a mini skirt, okay? <laughs> and and what, what are you referencing there, Ron? What are you referring to? Women's basketball. Mm, okay. If you like women's basketball, you should dress like a woman. Mm. Okay. Number two, I think the uh, Kansas City uh, head coach and assistants did a lot of great things the last couple of minutes of the ball game. Okay. First of all, when Moore went around the end there and he took a knee on the two-yard line with Philadelphia, no timeouts left. That just let the clock run. And then you saw they had two uh, quarterback kneels, and that run the You know, I was down. wondering, guys, why wouldn't you, if you were the nearest defender from the they Eagles, tried. go ahead and tackle him into the end zone? He's taking a knee. Oh, That's okay. not like a quarterback. When a quarterback takes a knee, he's giving himself up. The play's dead. That's not the same thing for a position player, I don't think. Uh, or is it? Because I, that's a great point. Because I was wondering that same thing last well, night. Because I'm not sure anybody from Philadelphia actually touched him. No, he didn't. Once he slid, but he slid. You know, baseball slide. Right. As if to give himself up, and maybe the official. I, I'd have checked the rule. But that's what if somebody question. could you not tackle him into the end pull zone him and the end zone? pull him into yeah. the end zone and make him score a touchdown? Well, they tried because they, they didn't play that play all that hard because Philadelphia knew exactly right. what Kansas City could do. But they wanted. Here's them to my score. second thought. Um, okay. You're Kansas City, so they're giving you the touchdown. They're giving you the lead. Yeah. You can't assume that Philadelphia is going to go right back down and score a touchdown and, and tie you up and then maybe go for two and try to win. You just can't assume. Why wouldn't you go ahead and take the touchdown? I mean, I know it gives them a little extra time, but don't you believe your defense would be good enough to hang in there and, and protect that lead? You, you don't have a guarantee. Your kicker had already missed one. You have no guarantee you're going to make the field goal on the last play of the game. Um, I'm not so sure. I mean, it worked out well for him, but I'm not so sure I wouldn't have gone ahead and taken the touchdown, the sure thing. Yeah, Philadelphia uh, backs, they moved, they moved back to let him go in the, t- in the end zone. They did. Yeah, they, they laid down for yeah. him. You know, the Packers did that against the Broncos when they lost in that Super Bowl in, what was that, 95, I think, this, when they went back-to-back with um, – that would have been not not ninety five oh four and oh five I think no ninety ninety five ninety six somewhere in there when Favre was a quarterback and they okay. went back to back they let the Broncos score there late try to get the ball back but to uh, to no avail. By the way, anybody heard how uh, Aaron Rodgers is doing in the dark today? <laughs> he kind of feels like I do all the time in the dark. <laughs> You're talking about in Manhattan, New York, or just in the dark in general? Just in the dark in general. (laughs) All right, thank you, Ron. Yes, sir. You sound good. Appreciate the phone call. Good hearing from you. I guess I'm going to have to go change my wardrobe because I like women's basketball and I don't wear a skirt. I think Ron might want to get into, I don't know, the 21st century. Mm. (laughs) Let's go to Bruce. Maybe be an idea. In Missouri. Bruce, welcome to Sports Talk. How are you? 
Go ahead, Bruce. Gonna get cra- How are you? It's going to get crazier. I'm fine. Good, good. Anyway, um, Saturday morning, I get up around about 5 o'clock, maybe 4.30. I used to be a paper boy and uh, still have that trait of getting up early. So anyway, mm. get my coffee made and everything. I'm sitting down and turn it to SCTV and SCTV uh, Marty McGee. I'd be damned, the first caller right out of the when they just opened up the dialogue there, uh, Gamecock Larry. No way. Program, I swear to God. <laughs> he, he was yacking about, he, he was yacking about her trophies going to be on the street out there, in, you know, in the middle of everywhere. And, oh, uh, and they were going to do the unveiling and the, and the coach from, um, you know, um, Connecticut's going to come down there and unveil the trophy for him. Anyway, <laughs> but McGee turned. Now this is no lie. Now the guy that you know accepts the call and does the you know programming and stuff. He's from up north. So McGee, as soon as they get through talking to Larry, to Larry, he turns to the guy and said, "Did you understand what he was saying?" To the guy from up north. He said, well, I started off, I could understand what he said in the beginning, but at the end, I got it. I, I couldn't understand what he said. Mm-hmm. And he, he turned to uh, Marty and said, we both knew what, exactly what he was saying because we're from down south. That was hilarious. They anyway, understand the he, lingo, huh? Yeah, that's the whole point. They were making it at the guy in the booth because he's new yeah. on the job. You know, anyway, so Gamecock Larry made history, <laughs> and y'all could have created a monster here. You should have never gave me a radio. It's <laughs> <laughs> on top of that. So, the, so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to pull for the Tigers up here uh, in Missouri, and they they did a, a miraculous uh, defeat of uh, last shot. And then, then Kansas City wins the uh, game, and there's people going to Academy of Sportswear to go get jerseys and stuff at, at the middle of the night. So they open up the stores up here well, for I'll these people. Never too early to start making money off of uh, people's emotions. Hey, thank you very much. we got to hit the break. Top of the hour. We'll continue. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, recruiting coming up in this hour of Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Also, more of your phone calls. So we are now in two. Hour number two, some lines have opened up so you can get through without delay. No harm in being a second-hour caller. seems like everybody wants to cram in to the first hour, right? Well, you still got the second hour. You still got lots of people listening to you around the state. You still got plenty of opportunity to call in and have your voice, your opinion, your comment, your question heard here on the state, around the state. So don't be bashful about calling in in hour number two. We welcome your calls there as well. And, of course, we do get busy sometimes in the second hour with some interviews and things like that. But tonight is not the case. We're wide open for your phone calls with the exception of the recruiting report coming up in a little bit. So don't hesitate to give us a call. And uh, our phone number is 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number here on Sports Talk. Uh, Pat, 
had the uh, the good fortune of going both to Chapel Hill and to uh, the CLA for the games Saturday, uh, helping to cover in my stead since I was out of town and Berge was on a call of his game and Smitty was uh, out of town, family business for him as well. So we were all spread out all over the place. So, Pat, uh, give me a, a quick uh, take from you on what you thought, first of all, up in Chapel Hill where Clemson fell short and then uh, Columbia, where the uh, USC women reigned supreme. Well, up in Chapel Hill, it was a it was a great environment. A lot of people there. The wine and cheese crowd, though, mm. was not quite. I'll, I'll say this, and I'll I'll stand behind this. They were not as intense as the crowd at the CLA yesterday. Now, I do realize that was a top three matchup in Columbia, whereas up in North Carolina, it was it was not. But still, uh, got to give lots of props to the folks here in town yesterday. But up in Chapel Hill. This was deemed as a bubble battle going in, but I think we finally actually saw the UNC team that we all thought we were going to get coming into this season. It was that same team, same kind of performance that they showed in the NCAA tournament last year en route to the Final Four. And Clemson, what is most disheartening for Clemson fans is they actually shot the ball pretty daggone well. 45% overall, 35% from three, 89% from the charity stripe, yet they still lost by 20. The biggest problem was was UNC seemed to win all the big statistical categories that equated to them getting more scoring opportunities. And where I'm going with that is they were plus six on offensive rebounds, plus six in forced turnovers, and those two things equated to 14 more shots for the Tar Heels than the Tigers, which of course resulted in a lot more, a lot more scoring plays. Also, P.J. Hall, as Chris mentioned earlier, we talked about if he were to get into foul trouble, what would the Tigers do? How would they be able to keep up with the Tar Heels and from the moment P.J. Hall picked up his third foul near the end of the first half, which was a little head-scratching, by the way, why he was still in the game with the risk of him getting that third foul. But when he picked up that third foul, you go about the last two or three minutes of the first half and the first five or six minutes of the second half, UNC stretched what was a two-point lead into 16, and they never looked back. Every time Clemson tried to make a run, the Heels responded with a run of their own. Every time Clemson hit a three, North Carolina seemed to come back with a three. And also, Leaky Black, I, I did not know that his defense was that good. But uh, uh, Hunter Tyson, who came into the game as Clemson's leading scorer at just over 16 points a game, he was held to just three points. And Leaky Black, I don't mean to be too graphic here, but quite frankly was almost in his jockstrap all day. I mean, he just was not giving Hunter Tyson a, a, a single bit of space at all. And Hunter Tyson was having to work relentlessly on both ends of the court. And you could tell by midway through the second half, he was gassed. Mm. He just seemed he just seemed out of it. Now, to his credit, do want to congratulate Tyson on uh, uh, reaching the 1,000-point well, <laughs> scoring mark for his career. 100,000 would be impressive. That would be. 1,000, uh, which is still impressive. Um, but once P.J. Hall got into foul trouble, he just was not able to maintain that still uh, that level of aggression that he had played with in the first 10 minutes or so of the first half. He had eight points in the first four minutes, and after that, it just wasn't really quite the same. He did end up with 18 points and three, right, three rebounds, but those three rebounds tell a lot of the story. He was having to play away from the basket as opposed to battling underneath because he did not want to pick up any additional, any additional fouls. Uh, but again, just a lot of credit to the Tar Heels. Caleb Love and R.J. Davis shot a combined 10 and 19 from three. Armando Baycott, 19 points, 11 rebounds. He was a force underneath the basket. He could have easily had 25 or 30, but they didn't need to push the ball into the paint because of how 
efficiently. They were shooting from three. Uh, and now with this, with this game, UNC snapped a three-game losing streak, whereas the Tigers find themselves on a three-game losing streak. And now I may be taking a little bit of a hot take here. I mentioned this towards the end of the last week. But Alex Hemingway, and I don't mean to go directly against him, but ever since he has returned to the lineup after injury, the Tigers have lost all three games. And I'm not saying it's his fault, but what I am pointing to is I feel as though Brad Brownell is still trying to figure out the rotation. Uh, they had a really good thing going there and, and reaching the top of the ACC standings. They did a lot of that without Hemingway, and now he's a tremendous player, but they seem to almost be struggling to find out how to reintegrate him into the into the lineup. And it's almost like they're forcing it right now, and it's causing some of the things that made them such a successful team for much of the year. They've taken a step back here. And now I don't know what the answer is there. I'm certainly not saying you bench the guy, but they need to figure out their rotation because right now that really seems to be suffering. Okay. I guess you must have been napping when I said quick on the uh, on the recap. Uh let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very thorough. No, it was excellent. Well it was I just, you know, quick. Like one of your recruiting How reports. am I going to get all that in 30 seconds now? Come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so in in 30 seconds, you don't the, the women dominated, so there's not a lot of twists and turns and mystery here. So they came out firing. They never let up and they finished up firing. Uh that's how you could sum up the women, right? They dominated the boards, and they forced turnovers, and the crowd was behind them. Exactly right. Yeah, the crowd, the defense, and efficient shooting. You're right. You must have read my article. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if at some point we hear, like, the Seattle Seahawks have the, the 12 and talk about the 12th man. Texas A&M's always talked about their crowd being, like, the 12th man, so to speak. At what point do we start referring to this Gamecock fan base as a – as the sixth man or sixth woman of sorts well, they, for this for this squad, they call them the fam. Ah, the fam. There the fam. You go. No, fam. It. Just F A M. Yeah, right, the fam. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I like it. Well, yeah. but yeah, just to give a little more here, I do want to at least give a, a little bit of, a little bit of credit here. Yes, Dawn, <clears throat> excuse me. Dawn Staley has accumulated an abundance of depth, and they use that in particular underneath. But. After Victoria Saxton opened the game on Angel Reese and it didn't quite go so well the first minute or two, at least I know they weren't putting up points, but it just didn't seem to be a great matchup. But once they switched to Leah Boston over onto her, she stuck to Reese like glue the rest of the game and was just spectacular on the defensive end. And then anytime Boston needed a breather, Letitia Amahir came in and provided fresh legs off the bench. And then anytime Reese got the ball in the paint and was able to either make a move in particular turning into the lane uh, um, against uh, Boston, Camilla Cardoso was right there and was able to rotate over, creating a suffocating defense on Reese for 40 minutes. And you could see the frustration on her face. I mean, yeah, she finished up with 16 points, but nine of those were in the fourth quarter. Nine of those – sorry, my mic just cut out. I can't hear myself. Mm, You pulled your headset out. Oh, there we go. But nine of those came in the fourth quarter, kind of in garbage time once the game was already already at hand, and she was well below her averages of 24 points and 16 rebounds. But just the philosophy on defense, the rotations they were doing on the defensive end was just causing frustration all day long. And, uh, yes, I I do realize that uh, Morris for LSU had 23 points, but it took her 29 shots to get there. Mm. So she wasn't exactly efficient either. And then Cardoso, I cannot say enough good things about her. She was incredibly efficient, 7-9 from the field, but also had 13 rebounds. 
And it just seemed like every time Reese would try to make a move in the paint, Cardoso was right there to help out Boston. It was it was impressive to watch. Okay. Thank you for that, Pat, and thank you for taking on the duties of covering both those games. I know you enjoyed it, and I wished I could have been here to help you, but not. But we'll pick it back up here. I want to add something to, yep. to that about USC, too, and Pat mm-hmm. brought up a great point about the depth, and Don Staley talked about maybe running a, a trio of people at Alexis Morris and trying to wear her down by the end of the third quarter on into the fourth. She knew what she was getting into when they – you know, faced Alexis Morris, who was one of the best players in the game yesterday, along with uh, Camilla Cardoso. But the depth is so impressive for South Carolina. No one has guys, uh, guys or gals that they can bring off the bench that could start virtually anywhere else, like Cardoso and also me here and Ashlyn Watkins. I mean, they they go in and they don't miss a beat. And you're replacing potentially back-to-back national player of the year in, in Aaliyah Boston and Victoria Sexton. I mean, they don't miss a they don't miss a beat. When Victoria is not playing well, that's fine. I'll just run Cardoso out there. Okay, mm-hmm. She's not doing it. Oh, no problem. Let's send in, as they call her, L.A. I mean, they, they're just so deep. They're so good on defense. And they just they just crush you on the backboards. That I just I don't see if they show up to play and they stay healthy, I don't see anybody beating them. And, Chris, a few stats there to, to piggyback on what you're saying. The Gamecocks out-rebounded LSU 43-25. to They won the bench points battle 34-15. Fast mm-hmm. breaks 14-6. to Assists 14-5. to and even though they lost the turnover margin, the Gamecocks still scored 10 more points off turnovers than LSU. So they were still far more efficient at converting turnovers into points. So you look at their roster. Then we'll get back to your calls in a second. You look at their roster. Like, you know, Bree Bill is a senior. Uh, Ami here is a senior. Um, Cook is a senior. Boston is a senior. And uh, Saxton is a grad or senior. Um and Fletcher is a grad or a senior. So they lose all those folks, mm-hmm. but you can still, with the incoming talent, but then look who you can build around. I mean, for next year, you can build around Cardoso. Assuming she comes back, she will be she has another year of eligibility. you got Talasia Cooper, who was, of course, a very highly recruited player um, who hasn't played a heck of a lot. you got Raven Johnson coming back. Uh, you've got uh, Bree Hall coming back, uh, available to come back. Chloe Kitts, who should be a high school senior and skipped her senior year to enroll early, she comes back. Uh, you got Ashley Watkins, who could be the next superstar. Come in. So the point is, they should win it all this year. They're going to take a, lose about half their roster. But what is scheduled to come back and what they're adding, they talent-wise, it's going to be strong once again. Now, are they going to have a dominant player in the paint like they've had in Aaliyah Boston next year? I mean, those are few and far between, you would think. But then again, uh, Cardoso has proven that she can. Well, Cardoso has proven that she can can do it, um, given the the opportunity to play an extended amount of time. Uh, She's proven that she can do it. Their guard play should be excellent. I think the strength of the team next year might be the guards, while, you know, most recently it has been their bigs. So uh, we'll see how uh, how Dawn Staley handles that. Okay. Phil, uh, real quick, but sorry, one last thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Victoria by the way, Sexton is Andy the only Andy just gave you the big finger. Oh, he hung up. That's all right. <laughs> he He'll just gave back. you the big. <laughs> he held you, on. And finally he said, Pat, take this with your condensed. <laughs> Corn asked for condensed. A condensed review, and he's. 
he's vamoosed. He's we, gone. He's, we must have answered his questions. That's all I can take from <laughs> I'm teasing. But yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Victoria Saxton's the only one of those seniors that doesn't have eligibility. Remember, they all get that bonus COVID year, yeah. but Saxton has already played five years, so they may actually still get a few of those seniors back next year. Well, I'd be surprised. I mean, you know, obviously Boston's going to be the first player in the draft, right? And Cook's going to go in the going to go early oh, yeah. first round, I yeah. would think. And uh, you know, Beal, they might all be drafted to the point where they're ready to move on. Okay, we got to hit the break. Uh, and thank you for Pat Talk there in the first segment of the of the hour. Uh, Andy, don't be mad at me uh, if you want to give us a call back. We'll get you right on the air. Otherwise, we're open for others. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. I can just see Andy sitting there just fuming and uh, saying enough of this. So if you want to holler back at us uh, after the break, feel free to do so. 888-898-2525. We got some comments from uh, Don Staley, and we got recruiting coming up as well. We'll be back in a moment. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. College of Charleston up on Northeastern 24-14, 11.50 to go in the opening half down in Charleston. North Carolina, Miami playing in Chapel Hill, big game in the ACC, and Miami has the 16-12 lead on the Tar Babies. Let's go to Andy in Columbia. He's back with us. Andy, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Well, I just got a call from my electrician, so maybe which he's calling me back right now, Mr. Corn, so i got to leave. I'll call you back. Okay. What's wrong? What's up with the electrician? Is he having electrical issues of some sort? Uh, Pat, you seem to know the backstory here. Yeah, he was telling me during the break that uh, I guess about half the appliances in his kitchen suddenly stopped working, blew a fuse of some sort, but uh, a little bit more involved than he could handle, so has an electrician coming in. But kudos to him. He called this electrician, and the guy not only is calling him back at 7.30 at night, but he's also coming tomorrow morning. Yeah. Well, that's 85 bucks an hour, you know, when you get there, and uh, be a nice little payday for him, I guess. All right, Andy, when you get a chance, give us a call back, and uh, we'll, we'll take your phone call. In the meantime, we go to Hank. In, you know, talking about uh, the USC women, that's like shooting the bat signal uh, up over Columbia. 
for uh, Hank to call in to uh, any sports talk show, but in particular his favorite sports talk show, commonly known as Sports Talk. Uh, Hank, welcome in. How are you? Did we cover everything about the uh, USC women? <laughs> yeah, almost everything. You didn't say anything about the women, the LSU women not being out there for the national anthem, but I left you off the hook for that. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Why weren't they out there? I no one knows, but it didn't seem it didn't it didn't seem to cause a ruckus as much ruckus as the cause of our girls going down. Well, there. if I had been there to see that, had known that I was on an airplane, so I did not know that. I hadn't seen it anywhere, but I will say if you didn't go out for the national anthem to avoid being out there for the national anthem, then shame on you. Now maybe they had something else going on, but if that was the case, then shame on them. Uh that do the benefit of the doubt thing, but uh um yeah, well, I mean, I have to give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't know why they weren't out there. If you were to tell me <laughs> that they weren't out there on purpose to purposely miss the national anthem, then I would rain hell upon them. But I don't know that was the reason. Maybe they were given the wrong time. Maybe I don't know. And Michael Irvin used to say, "Come with the same." What did Michael Irvin say when he got caught? Come with the same energy. <laughs> <laughs> the when same when did energy. they do? When did they do the national anthem at Colonial Life? Is it right before tip off? Right before the starters are introduced. Tip off, yeah, right before right before the announcements uh, of the team. In fact, uh, LSU wasn't out there to the point that uh, I think if Pat was Pat was at the game, they had turned out the lights to start the starting announcements. Huh. And LSU, the first player was just getting to the bench when they did that. So when they called the name of the first LSU starter, she kind of came from the tunnel and ran onto the floor, and the rest of the team came out. That's weird. Well, that's, that's very I mean, weird. It's obvious why they didn't show up, Phil, is to protest the national anthem. I mean. It's the same same thing that we've had issues with Don Staley's team doing that. I mean, have they been doing clear, that all year? Obvious. Have they been doing that all year? LSU. I yeah. I don't know. Well, let me just do a little quick check. I'm sure somebody has written a story. If that's the case, shame on me. I didn't. I didn't even notice. I'm doing Google searches here. I'm not. I'm not really finding any articles referencing that. So good catch. You're probably not gonna find any articles. Which is kind of your point. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if yeah, this yeah. is something that LSU does routinely, um, you would think that somebody would have written a story about it somewhere. You would think so, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You would think. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, what else think. is on your mind? Let's yeah. talk about something positive. But I, well, I tell you what, I tell you what, though. Uh, yeah, the girls did their business. I tell you what, even if – and we and uncharacteristically in the first half, we shot free throws back. We, we only hit like three out of 11 free throws in the first half for whatever reason our girls kind of – off, off, off kilter at the line, and if they if they hit their free throws like they normally do, they would have been up by about twenty twenty five at half. Um, but uh, the reason I call you, so Pat was at the game, right? Yes, he was. And one thing, you know, you always hear people kind of bellyache and lambast the CLA when the boys are having a rough year or whatever because they talk about. They're always not a basketball-friendly building and and all that. But I think you can ask Pat. When you get 18,000 people in there for a team that's cheering like that, there was nothing wrong. That arena felt like uh, the Dean Dome. <laughs> mm. I've always said, my personal opinion, I've always said that a full house in there makes that a very attractive home court for the Gamecocks when it's loud and raucous. And, yeah, so I – Personally, I mean, I like the building. I've always kind of liked the building. Um, I like the Carolina Coliseum, too. But I understand what the CLA gives the uh, city of Columbia and the region, the opportunity to host a lot more than just 
15 to 20 basketball games a year. Yeah, and I think that just sometimes that's just an excuse uh, for the product being bad when they start talking about the building. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I tell you what, uh, uh, Carolina, like uh, if you if you watch Kim Mulkey's uh, post-game press conference, you heard what she said, in South Carolina, she <laughs> like them and everybody else. And there'd be some people I, w- I would probably disagree more with uh, Pat, or, I mean Chris, and say that a team that a team that that would most likely have to challenge them would have to be somebody like uh, Stanford, who has who can at least try to put up a fight in the post, uh, because uh, uh, playing most of the time, if Carolina's shooting um, even decent. Uh, I mean, LSU was the second leading rebounding team in the nation behind Carolina, and they out-rebounded them something like by 17, 18 points. And LSU had been the leading scoring team in the country, and they held them 25 below their scoring average. So, you know, South Carolina's their defense is just, what, is just amazing. What about this Indiana women's team? I'm seeing they're beating Ohio <laughs> State right now. This is number two versus number 13. And they're playing it yeah. in Columbus, I believe, and Ohio, Indiana's up thirty-six to fourteen. I mean, what yeah, well, about Ohio them? State's got a couple. Ohio State's got a couple of girls hurt, and so they've been on a, a skid. They they were undefeated up until about two weeks ago, and they had like two injuries, and now they've lost um, something like four of their last five. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're they're struggling. That's the one thing about South Carolina is. That, uh, the depth you can play with there's teams that have played with South Carolina for about a half, but once you get to that once you get to that third or fourth quarter, um, once they got to the third or fourth quarter like that said, Dawn, um, once she gets you worn out, then she sends those two posts in, she puts Boston on one block and Cadoza on the other, and every play they run to that block. And teams their legs are gone. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. can't spend it. Well, this Indiana team just beat Iowa the other day. That's number two beating number five. They beat them eighty-seven seventy-eight. So they yeah. they obviously have uh, have some talent. I don't yeah, know what sure. their what yeah. their makeup is. If they're big or if they're guards or whatever it is, makes them they strong. Guard, big guards. They play five out with guards. They have four or five guards. They they uh, they're um, they would be a good game with with South Carolina. The the, the deal is. Can you rebound with South Carolina? Mm-hmm. South Carolina doesn't have to shoot well because they rebound <laughs> most of the misses. Everything. <laughs> Everything. And, and I'll concede uh, Hank's point. Hank's got a good point about Stanford because that is the one team I'd have to go back and double-check throughout the year. But that may be the only team that actually out-rebounded USC this year. So he's got a point about Stanford. They can, they can battle in the post, especially Cameron Brink. She's a pretty solid player for them. I still don't think they're good enough on a neutral floor to beat them. But I think they would get yeah. in the game. All right, we got to go, Hank. Thank you very much. Since the last time we checked, the Cougars have gone on a major, major, major run. They're up forty-three to eighteen, and there's still eight minutes to play in the half. How is that possible? Forty-three They're points good, in twelve <laughs> minutes. Forty. I got to look up their numbers. Forty-three to eighteen, Charleston over Northeastern, and there's still eight minutes to go in the half. Back in a moment. So the College of Charleston has calmed down a little bit because they went into a scoring drought. They were shooting 75% 
It's now 43-25, so a 7-0 run by Northeastern. Cougars are shooting 67%, 5 of 10 from 3, 6 of 7 from the line, and winning and rebounding only turned it over twice. I, I imagine the uh, TD Arena was going pretty crazy uh, when they were hitting all those shots there. They put together a big run. Let's see here. They um, they hit, uh, let's see, at one point they hit one, two, three, four, five, six. They hit seven straight shots at one point, um, two three-pointers, three layups, and a couple of regular jumpers. As a matter of fact, at one point they were, um, let's see, it's 13, three, 13, carry my one. Uh, they hit 13 out of 14 shots at one point. So that's how you build a humongous lead. Now they're up 43 to uh, 27. Uh, we got recruiting coming up. Uh, a little Dawn Staley as well. More calls as we go back to the phones. 888 is the phone number. And uh, we are going to go next to Danny. Oh, I know what this one's about. Danny and Florence. I love me some ACC officials. Love them. Danny, welcome in. How are you? Phil, um, I It was a good uh, call. ACC's wrong for apologizing. Take the L and move on. Really? It's Duke, man. Well, Anything that's listen. bad for Duke is good for the rest of college basketball. Well, there's a thing called mor- morals and honesty. But um, I don't know if you talked about it. I didn't hear the early part of the show. But I saw on social media um, where Shire said he was still angry. And I've been somewhat critical of him during the year, but I appreciated what he said in his post game. He said he was, I know they're not supposed to talk about the referees, but he said he was pissed and he still had no clarity. Now, now, they, they don't need to be officiating on this level, in my opinion, because it was an easy call for me to even see so what's your thought on that i didn't see it because i was out for the weekend so i I have to plead ignorance uh chris did you ever get a look at that particular moment i I know what the what he's talking about and it sounds like they even reviewed it Mm -hmm. and how they how they couldn't tell it's slowing it down i get it in real time it's tough to see if there was a foul right before the end of the game but i mean when you review it it should be fairly obvious you can slow it down to make sure that the foul occurred before the light goes off that's why they put the light behind the backboard now to make that much easier for the officials well Well, the shot the shot the, the the rule is i mean the ball is in the air before the clock expired so he had released right. and so the officials uh, the, the officials reviewed it and ruled that the ball had not left his hands is that what they were saying no. and, and he had left his hands with 1.2 seconds to go mm-hmm. so what was their explanation after the game about why they well for the one official ruled a foul and he got overruled and the guy said that uh the foul occurred uh after the Time expired, but the ACC office said that doesn't matter. If the shot went off before, it was still a foul. Yes, it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in the same play. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's what they said. And, you know, I saw things online from people who said they didn't like Duke or they were North Carolina fans, but they said it was awful. Mm. Yeah, my heart bleeds. Bleeds. Yeah. 
Please. Well, I mean, it, enjoy the NIT. When's the last time you went to an NIT? Are you going to buy tickets to the NIT? You think Duke will host an NIT game? They went to the NIT in Coach K's first year. Yeah. Uh, and North Carolina went to an NIT when Hansburg was there too one time. <laughs> but but uh, you can't but, spell but, NIT without Duke. But 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 you're jumping to a lot of conclusions right now though about that. I mean, I mean, Duke, listen. Duke went to the NCAA tournament when you had eighteen and thirteen. True, but that's back when the league was actually good. Yeah, well, you know, you're not going to get that first, kind of benefit of the doubt when you're number six. Uh, your 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 league is ranked sixth in the net for conferences. Well, they well they got four of their last six games at home. So. All right, we'll see what happens. Thank okay. you, thank you very much, uh, Corey Diaz. A friend of ours who used to work in uh, worked in Greenville, but lived in Columbia, but worked for the Greenville News covering the Gamecocks. Well, he works in Louisiana now, primarily covering Louisiana Monroe, I think, but he also covers LSU some. And right. so I sent him a message. I said, "Corey, I uh, hope you're doing well. How's the family? How's the dog? How's that new car?" Uh, no, I didn't. Just made that up. But anyway. Uh, explained to him the call about the anthem and LSU. I said, um, is that something norm for them, or are they protesting something? And he wrote back, uh, they're never out for the national anthem at home or away. Standard procedure for them. Uh, strictly routine. He said, uh, Kim has pregame schedule for the team down to the literal second. It's not anti-anthem. So that's from a reporter who covers them down there. So home and away, that's how they handle it. I can see where, it'll be, where, where it would be interpreted, but, you know, when, when they said to me, uh, when somebody said um, they barely made it out, I guess it was Hank when he said they barely made it out for the um, introduction. I mean, that sounded to me more like that's a coach keeping her team in in the locker room you know for extended instruction and extended planning um not something directly related to the anthem and this you know bears out you know based on the reporter there that that's their routine it has nothing to do with the anthem now look the school or the league if they had a policy that said you must be out there like i guess in 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 some pro leagues like i think in pro leagues like i think like the, the NFL uh, does the NFL require you to be out there for the anthem? Not sure during the regular season, but obviously for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl they, they do, yeah. I don't think they require – I don't think they're out there for the – in regular and, season games. I know NBA Mulkey, NBA teams are on the floor during the anthem. Mm-hmm, yeah. Regular season. If Kim season. Mulkey can't plan her stuff better than that, if she needs an extra two and a half minutes to get her team ready, mm-hmm. that she didn't get it all in in two and a half days – I mean, she's not nearly the coach I thought she was. Yeah. I mean, what else can you tell that team that you hadn't already drilled into their head during practice and your pregame walkthrough and everything else? Block out, get more rebounds? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, whatever she told them in the last two and a half minutes didn't work. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, this Andy back again. Third time's the charm. Hope he's got his power back. Andy, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? He'll be here at 9 in the morning, so I'm a happy man at the moment. And it's not the power in the whole place. Get that check written. How many zeros going to be in that check? He already warned me, Corn. He already warned me. Okay. First off, 
Well, maybe if you paid your power bill on time, they wouldn't shut off your electricity. I got electricity. It's just not in my kitchen, so half my kitchen. I understand that Dominion Energy can directly uh, interrupt power to certain parts of the home. Oh, okay. Well, I already ate, so kitchen's fine. <laughs> um, first off. And that's Friday, a joke, Dominion just, Energy. Don't go hunt down my house and turn off the power tonight. I'm sorry. Friday, go ahead, Andy. That's show corn I've heard you do, do in my lifetime. What's that? So This is what? I said Friday was the best show I've ever heard you do. Oh, good. You like that show, huh? <laughs> I thought it was good. Like I said, we can, best show we can make it do. a permanent arrangement with the right amount of compensation. Hey, like I said, you know, and they still go buy it. Corn-free Friday. We can't <laughs> ask for anything more. Okay, number one, Mr. Ron who called knocking on my man Larry. I'm sure Larry at 88 looks better in a dress than this Ron guy does anyway. I'm sure Larry's legs are better than his. Okay, <laughs> I'm not judging. Ron, I'm not judging that contest, okay? You can get somebody else. Plus, Ron needs to quit looking at Larry's legs and maybe watch the game a little bit better because after that guy went down, Philadelphia still had a timeout, and they took a timeout. Then after timeout, there was the two kneel downs, Okay. And the reason they did that, Corn, is because you leave eight seconds or less for the man who has been taking his team almost up and down the field continuously during the game. No, 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 no. He didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. if you watch that pass that he threw at the end of the game. He had no yeah. arm on that pass. I was going to say, his yeah. arm wasn't there. No, <laughs> no I'm sure that's the one all. thing that's – and I don't know, maybe – I don't think his arm was hit or the ball was tipped, but he had no arm strength on that last throw. I don't even think it got to the 20, did Mm-mm. it? No. That's not his strength, and also, obviously. And also what some people aren't talking about, and it, was it Devontae Smith who made that catch Yeah, and got hit? That was a fumble. I, You know, what did all of a sudden they come up with new rules now? What's this third step BS that there has to be a third step? I thought it was two feet down. What, what happened now with the third step? I mean, there's not a third step if you're going out of bounds and you have two feet down. That's what they rule you. I mean – that was a fumble. Mm. The guy had controlled the ball. He lost the ball because of the hit. Plain and simple. All the Philly fans can complain all they want that that wasn't a hold. It was a hold. But that fumble that was called back was a fumble. Do you not agree? Uh, on the Devontae Smith play, um... that was scooped and put and set and um, taken in for another touchdown. Well, the one he caught, he caught Phil and turned. No, no, J- no, no. Jalen Hurts was the one who fumbled that was scoop and score. No, I'm talking about the pass that they ruled incomplete. That mm-hmm. was a completed pass that he fumbled and was scooped up by the same guy who took uh, who took um, Hurts's fumble back and took it back. And they were saying that this was going to be the first time in um, Super Bowl history someone took two fumbles back for touchdowns. Oh, that might have been when okay. I was in the shower. Was that early no, second half? How are, you, how are you taking a shower during the middle of the Super Bowl? Chris, well, what do you think about I missed that? the entire halftime show. They said it was going to be oh, 29 minutes. It was really good. So, and I had to take a long shower because, you know, after flying all day and everything else, you know, I just felt <laughs> gritty. And uh, by the time I came back, Kansas City had scored again early in the third quarter. Well, I cooked my soft pretzel during the uh, halftime show, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, by the way, I'm glad I mentioned that. 
Uh, they put out the initial figure on attendance. I'm not attendance, on viewing. And from the NFL, this is the NFL now, so keep that in mind. The Super Bowl, Super Bowl scored a preliminary average audience of 113 million, the best Super Bowl audience in six years, ranking as the most watched Super Bowl since 2017 on Fox, per Nielsen Media Research, Fast National Data, and Adobe Analytics. Well, I got to say, I personally think it was two of the worst commentators for the Super Bowl this year. Maybe I just wasn't. You know what? You know what? I don't disagree with you. I didn't want to bring it up. I was not. I didn't know if I was the only one. No, I was not. I I wanted to be, you know, wowed. You're usually wowed by because the Super Bowl guys are. I just, I heard a lot of dead air between them. Not that you got to yak it up the whole time. And Mr. Bergen's a professional play-by-play announcer, so he can comment on this better than I can. But I just heard. Now, maybe that was by design. Maybe they wanted to be quieter than normal. Maybe more understated than normal. I'm not saying you got to go gaga. Was calling the teams the wrong names too. Same Eagles when it should have been Chiefs. I didn't catch that. <laughs> like it. I didn't yeah, either, but that's a problem. Times yeah, when that's they commercial. But my problem was Greg Olson at the end on that holding call saying you don't make that call there because it's the Super Bowl and you don't make. Well, I mean, then when do you make that call when it's so obvious exactly. that you it's a hold? You got to make the call. I don't. Andy, we got to go because I got to get recruiting in. We're up against it. I'm glad you got uh, power uh, coming to your house tomorrow so you can cook uh, your uh, lox and bagel. And we'll talk to you again. He's gone. Thank you very much. Uh, quick update Northeastern and uh, the Cougars. Northeastern's come back. It's 49 32 with four seconds to go in the half. The Cougars have cooled off to 58% shooting. After being, you're not going to keep it up the way they started out. They were oh, gosh, no. red hot, you know. <laughs> Except the, the Gamecocks did. The women did. They, Like I said, they shot, what, 60-something percent in the first quarter and 70-something percent in the fourth quarter. Uh, North Carolina, Miami, it's 35-34 Hurricanes. 35-34 Hurricanes at halftime. Miami and uh, North Carolina in Chapel Hill. And let's see if I can get you a quick update on some scoring there. Uh, For Miami, leading away with 11 points is the highly paid Mr. Pack. He's earning everything he's getting from Miami, that $800,000. North Carolina's got Love with 12 and Baycott with 10. And we'll be back with recruiting after the break. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax, win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. We are the NFHS. That stands for the National Federation of State High School Associations. But really, what we stand for, together with the SCHSL, are the 96,000 high school sports students in South Carolina. And so we stand. We stand for the runners, soccer, and basketball players. We stand for their coaches, administrators, and officials. 
We stand for the swimmers, football players, and wrestlers. We stand for the golfers, softball, and volleyball players. We stand as the national leader and advocate for high school athletics and all who participate in them and make them possible. Because it is our purpose to ensure that high school students get to play, perform, and compete together. To learn more about who we are and what we stand for, visit nfhs.org. Nightly Dose of Recruiting brought to you by our good friends over at Seawells. Get out this week for the daily luncheon buffet at Seawells every day from 11 to 2 for $13. You can't beat it. Can't beat it in terms of taste. Can't beat it in terms of quality. So if you can't beat them, why not join them? Get out there to Seawells Rosewood Drive across from the fairgrounds. And, of course, you got something coming up, the very best in the catering business, perhaps uh, Chris, maybe I don't know, in your future, Finn's going to have a big event, Dog of the Year, uh, something like that. By the way, I always like to see what ESPN counters the Super Bowl with programming-wise. And on the mothership, they had the American Dog Kennel Association Awards. And then on the uh, the cousin, the Deuce, they had the American Axe Throwing Championships. <laughs> <laughs> If they just ran a blank screen for four hours, would anyone notice? I I mean, it. It, it, it. It always amazes me when these numbers come out. You talked about how good a uh, TV viewing audience the Super Bowl had last night. What, 113, 14 million? Mm-hmm. There are over 300 million people in the United States. I always wonder what the other 200-plus million people are doing on Super Bowl Sunday. I can't remember ever missing a Super Bowl. It's the one sporting event I don't think I've ever missed yeah. in, in my life, yeah. lifetime. Anyway, yeah, axe throwing, you know, this was team. When I tuned in, it was doubles axe throwing. So two people oh, wow. throwing the axe at the same time, hitting the bullseye <laughs> with the two axes coming together as they hit the bullseye. It's pretty cool, to be honest with you. But I always like to see what is. Ice skating is the, is the best counter to the Super Bowl because that gets the women and that gets your numbers up, you know. All right, uh, again, uh, we get off the subject the of Seawolves. The watching the Super Bowl, too. Some. That's the thing. Yep. Some. More than they used to. Uh, Seawells, the best in the catering business. Make sure you give them a call. Their phone number, 803-771-7385, online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. Safety, Kelvin Hunter from West Florence, 6'1", 185, another of the state's top prospects. He had a junior season of 102 tackles, broke up six passes, had one interception, had no holding calls on him whatsoever by NFL officials. Uh, His recruiting is picking up USC, Michigan, Kentucky, Virginia Tech, Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State, Liberty, and others. He was at the USC Junior Day on the 21st of January. He talked a lot of football with Shane Beamer and Torian Gray, but he also got a bigger insight into the picture of football uh, and after football at South Carolina, learning about the academics and player development. Uh, He liked how the uh, staff was really uh, working hard on the next class and how they were uh, really caring about the next group coming in. He also talked a lot with former Gamecock All-American safety Jalen Foster, who worked with the defensive staff last season, and he was laying out for him what it was like on a day-to-day basis there. 
And they also pointed out how they had two freshmen starting at safety for them this season, both South Carolina guys, Nick Emanwari and DQ Smith. And obviously he said that caught his attention, and they kind of sold him on the idea of coming in and playing early and, and having a great career. So he's got South Carolina and Michigan and Virginia Tech right now as his top three. USC was the only January visit for him. He plans to visit Michigan and Virginia Tech this spring, also possibly Kentucky in a return trip to USC. USC's in the top 15 with tight end defensive end Kylan Fox of Loganville, Georgia. The others on the short list. Can you call 15 a short list? A semi-short list. <laughs> a short list. Florida State, Tennessee, Colorado, Miami, Louisville, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Cincinnati, Stanford, Auburn, Georgia Tech, Florida, Ohio State, and Alabama. If you can't say it in one breath, it's not truly a short list. USC's in the top 10 with linebacker Xavier Hamilton, Navarre, Florida, and the others on that list, Georgia, Arkansas, Kansas, Michigan State, UCF, Florida State, Auburn, LSU, and Notre Dame. Running back Braylon Russell of Benton, Arkansas, has USC in the top 10, along with Ole Miss, Purdue, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Baylor, Kansas State, Cincinnati, Kansas, and Tennessee. Clemson target cornerback Ashton Hampton was offered by Tennessee and Purdue. Riverside defensive tackle Marcus Downs was offered by Miami. And Sumter defensive tackle Calvin Harvin committed to Kentucky Christian late last week. That is recruiting on this Monday night. Remember to check it out on our website, sportstalksc.com. On Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting. Uh, So Pat has turned up a story about ESPN and an interview with the head of the Disney Corporation or whoever it is that uh, that runs all that now. And uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger said he hopes to keep NBA rights, but he's talked to ESPN president Jimmy Patero that, quote, we're simply going to have to get more selective, end quote, in buying more sports rights with intent to pivot ESPN from linear to plus. He said this on a Disney's earning call last week. This was written by Mike Borkinov, who writes for The Athletic. So, you know, we talked about this last week when I mentioned mm-hmm. that ESP, uh, that uh, Disney was laying off 7,000 employees. And, I mean, how was this going to impact uh, ESPN down the road? And, I mean, they're on the hook for billions of dollars in contracts for the pros and the colleges and the colleges who are spending all that money from television before they get it, that better be aware that, uh, you know, that golden goose could dry up here most any time. The current model is just not sustainable, Phil. I don't know how you can continue paying millions and millions and upwards of billions of dollars and hope that the advertising money is going to be there to offset that to continue to bid for these league contracts. And the interesting part would be it's all the same pie, but let's assume they don't have as much for, uh, you know, to dole out. What do they drop? Are they getting rid of the NBA? Would they get rid of well, I'll say sports? This. If ESPN doesn't do games – in my humble opinion, if they don't do games, they might as well close up shop because if you're relying on your talking heads and your regular programming to sustain you, mm-hmm. forget yeah. about it. I mean, it's in my – well, listen, I don't ever get a chance to watch any ESPN uh, programming other than the game. So 
the the little bit that I've had a chance to uh, take in, I'm not impressed. Uh, and they pay well, those people huge amounts of dollars. And your fear is they'll start chopping off. They won't go to after the college football playoff first. They'll obviously go with things that they feel like is expendable, and that might be the College World Series, which would be terribly disappointing. Absolutely. That's going to do it. Thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. We certainly enjoyed it. We'll see you tomorrow night here on Sports Talk.